ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our guest segment. We're super excited to have him with us for the first time. The book is called The Drudge Revolution, the untold story of how talk radio, Fox News, and a gift shop clerk with an Internet connection took down the mainstream media. All about the, the backstory about Matt Drudge and the Drudge Report, incredible book. And joining us for the first time is Matthew Leshack. Uh, good to have you with us, sir. Thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. You know, the book, I I found the book as such a great, I'm a writer myself, and I have to tell you, what a great idea for a book. Because to me, uh, Drudge is so mysterious. I mean, he's almost like like a superhero. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is a guy who I've often wondered about him. I know he lives here in Florida, but we don't really see him in the news. I live in North Florida. He lives in South Florida, but we don't really hear much about him. He's like one of these famous people that you just don't hear about him. He's not in the news often. Uh, I understand from one of your interviews I listened to earlier today, there's not even a recent picture of him. I mean, that's uh, how out of the spotlight he is. Uh, what a great idea for a book. And I want you to start by telling us about his upbringing, because this was the most fascinating part of the book to me. The home he grew up in. He never went to college. Uh, tell us a little bit about his childhood. The story of Matt Drudge and his youth is truly a only in America kind of tale. And Matt began life not just in like a slightly dysfunctional household. He was in a highly dysfunctional household. An only child growing up in a, a small suburb of D.C., Matt's father disowned him at a pretty early age, and his mom suffered from severe mental health issues. Uh, Student-wise, Matt was a terrible student. He finished, I believe it was 355th out of 361 students in his high school graduating class. So, you know, the, 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 the story about how this, this man, from like this terrible background, was able to rise all the way up to essentially usurp the entire media landscape was, was absolutely fascinating to me. And and what an eccentric guy, even as as a young man, uh, according to your book, he would go to school wearing that fedora that he wears sometimes today yeah. still with like a little business card in it that said press on it. I mean, you're probably too young to remember, but there was a Brady Bunch episode where Peter decided he was a newsman and he wore a hat like that with the press thing on it. I mean, that that, that first of all, I love the Brady Bunch. 
Do you remember that episode? I have seen that episode. I do. Yeah, he was a unique individual in high school. And one of the things that I spoke to his teachers and um, he didn't match and not have a lot of friends. He had one good friend and she was very cooperative. Uh, and, and Matt Matt was picked on a lot, you know, because he was different. He His voice was weird. Um, people, you know, being a young gay man in the 80s was no small deal, especially in a football-centered high school where, where Matt, in Northwood, which was where Matt attended. So he dealt with his share of adversity as a student, but according to his friends, he, he didn't ever show that it upset him. He always just assumed he was going on to bigger and better things. And he ends up uh, after high school, he's working kind of different odd jobs in in the job that you're talking about in the book where sort of sets the backdrop. He's working at uh, he's working at like, is it a convenience store? Then he's also working at a gift shop, a CBS, (laughs) the CBS gift shop in Los Angeles. You know, I. Exactly. Matt was walking. He'd always go to the newsstand. So Matt was a newspaper junkie from the very beginning and was constantly infatuated going through news articles, looking at leads, looking at headlines, trying to figure out how he would do things differently. And he was walking on Sunset Boulevard and he walked into um, a, a bodega and opened a variety magazine and saw a ad for $5 an hour to be a showrunner for The Price is Right. So his job at that time was to move sets around. But in his eyes, he felt like he was going somewhere. He was going to be around the big names. And he was promoted from there to become a gift shop clerk at CBS, where he <laughs> realized that he realized that the Nielsen ratings were being deposited into the garbage a day before they were being released to the public. So he figured out the custodial schedule staff and knew he had a small window of time where he could go down and get the papers before they were incinerated. And he would do this and begin publishing them on these very early internet chat sites. And that was how the Drudge Report began. Wow. Who knew there was a job lower than gift shop clerk? So the next time you're watching (laughs) The Price is Right, thinking that those sets are being moved around by somebody that's hoping to be promoted uh, to a gift shop clerk. Now, uh, now more about his childhood, too. So so his parents were both liberal. Uh, In fact, one of his parents actually worked with was it was it Ted Kennedy? Yeah, uh, helped Ted Kennedy with legal issues, and you know, with Ted Kennedy, there was always a lot of legal issues. <laughs> There'll be a good, a good, a good line of work there. A lot of re- recurring business, I'm sure. Uh, and and so he's also, according to your book, he's he's more of a libertarian than he is a Republican. Uh, why is it that so many right. people look at him as? a a right-wing Republican. Is that sort of a moniker that that we've given him that he never asked for and and truly never lived up to? Or did he try to play that role just to sort of fit into that niche? So you just you just aged yourself with your Brady Bunch reference. So I'm going to take you back (laughs) in time and your audience will hopefully remember back in the 90s when there was News was controlled by a small handful of people. We had ABC, NBC, CBS, and then a few large newspapers. And the editors and producers of these shows essentially served as gatekeepers for information. 
they decided what we had access to and what we didn't. For instance, a lot of them knew about Kennedy having all these affairs. They didn't think it was fit for public consumption. They also had some information on Reagan they didn't think was, you know, fit for us to know. So what Matt did early on was he met this young man named Andrew Breitbart, who Andrew saw Matt posting the Nielsen ratings and all these tidbits and reached out to him. And they were talking one night at um, Andrew Breitbart's uh, future in-laws house in Venice, in, in Venice, uh, California. And they, they were talking about how a Gallup poll had come out and it showed that about 90% of the media is donating to liberal causes while over 60% at the time identified as conservative. And they, they, they thought, wow, what an opening we have here because there was this perfect storm with the internet. That's, you know, so people ask, why, why do people think of Matt George as a conservative? He saw a niche that could be filled. You're right. So Matt identifies himself as a libertarian. But for his website, it's all business. Like, like a lot of us in life, we, we have businesses. And um, another reason, of course, is because of his major breaking story, which involved, of course, Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. And that, that kind of fits perfectly with the niche Matt filled because at the time, Lucy Ann Goldberg barely knew who Matt Drudge was. And she, she was the one who had access to the tapes through Linda Tripp. And she was working with Michael Isikoff of Newsweek, who's a fantastic reporter and was doing, doing really hard work on this story and could not understand why Newsweek wouldn't publish the story. It was not just about an affair. It was obstruction of justice of the president of the United States of America. So she had a friend named Ann Coulter, and Ann was friends with Matt Drudge and said, look, forget Newsweek. I know somebody who will publish this. Call Matt up. So Lucy Ann Goldberg called up Matt Drudge. Lucy Ann told me two hours later, the story was published. And, and I, according to the Star I, I remember, report, I remember um, later, the it, president of the United States was on the site. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that story being published and I remember how the media reacted to it. Uh, they, they said yeah. something along the lines of a far right blogger is saying this and it immediately was considered to to not be credible. And then, of course, after it turned out to be credible, everybody went to drudge that to, to get the next wave on that story. And that was really the beginning of what put him on the map. I mean, he had his following then, but that would you say, Matthew, that's what put him on the mainstream map that like most Americans became aware of who Matt Drudge was. Absolutely. And just, we should, we should take a minute to, to just talk about what a fascinating moment in journalism that was, because until that time, Jim, Publishers and editors could hold stories. They had no fear of them getting out. They served as gatekeepers. After Matt clicked enter on that single story, I would argue that the dynamic of journalism changed forever. You can no longer hold a story. Everything's out. And then two days later, after he publishes that story, while newspaper editors across the country are trying to figure out how to describe to the audience a certain blue dress incident, Matt just publishes it. And, you know, it went on and on like that. And, you know, to get back to your original point, totally why everybody thinks that Matt Drudge is a conservative. But Matt, before that moment, was a Hollywood guy. That's, how, that's what he considered himself. Gossip, music, 
uh, actors. You know, he was first to report that Connie Chun was fired. He actually knew that before Connie Chun knew it. <laughs> and that's how she found out. <laughs> he was digging through the garbage can again and, and, and found that uh, at CBS maybe. But what's, uh, I, I find, I find this, this whole thing fascinating because there's still, we still do find out about some uh, bargaining that goes on. You know, this, this whole story um, uh, about uh, Prince Andrew, for example. Uh, we, we learn that that's a story like that may have been held as a bargaining chip for people to have certain kinds of of access. Um, this goes on with with the campaigns as well. So if you give too hard of an interview, maybe you won't get another one, uh, those sorts of things. But people like Matt Drudge, his real service to the country was if a story gets into his hands, he's going to put it out there. So people did have these alternatives, which didn't exist, uh, as you say, when you go back to, I mean, I remember you would find out the news at night when you'd watch the evening news for the 30 minutes uh, and the newspaper was usually a day behind and, and you had that to read. But that certainly was uh, what made a difference. And, you know, reading the book, it's like, wow, Matt Drudge is gay. I didn't know that. Uh, Matt Drudge is a libertarian. His parents were both liberal Democrats. I didn't know that. Uh, and it's a lot of people, a lot of my following when I posted a couple of weeks ago that we were going to have you on. A lot of my following, which are super conservative people, they're really upset with Drudge right now because the general thinking is like about three or four months ago that he, quote unquote, turned against Trump. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he's turned against Trump? I mean, it seems like he's publishing oh, more anti-Trump stories uh, than he has in the past. Matt has completely weaponized his website on behalf of the Joe Biden campaign, uh, without a doubt. And, you know, everybody's shocked about this, and they shouldn't be. This is, this is how Matt Drudge has operated for the last 25-plus years. I'll give you an example. When Andrew Breitbart was the AM editor for Matt, he would post these stories that were critical of Barack Obama, and especially the Reverend Wright stories. Remember those? Yeah. Those big at the time? The chickens are going to come home to and, roost. Yeah. So he's posting all these stories, and Matt is going on the site from whatever remote location he's at taking them down quickly and and replacing them with stories more favorable to Obama. Eventually, Andrew called Matt out on it. It was like, Matt, what's, what's going on? And Matt's response was very telling. He said, look, an Obama presidency might be terrible for the country, but it will sure be great for the website. And it's, it's hard to argue that he was wrong with that because I, I don't think there's more than a handful of people who did better financially under the Obama administration than Matt Drudge. His, his net worth is estimated at north of $100 million. So when people want to know why Matt made this change, I don't think he did. I think he's making a, a monetary calculation. And to be honest with you, it's a terrible, you know, most of his calculations turn out to be pretty great. This one, it doesn't look like it's working out for him. Yeah. No. Do you think that it's that sort of that script that we like the public likes to have a villain? So because they said that Rush Limbaugh's best years were during Clinton. And then, and then of yeah. course, when Obama got elected, 
he had another uh, great run, Rush Limbaugh, as far as the ratings go, because that's the script. You've got to have if you're a conservative, you've got Rush Limbaugh and Drudge and all these, you know, conservative people. So you think going up against the bad guy, is that the idea? Is is that a, a it would give Drudge more because his following has really dropped off, according to your book? It, it has. I mean, um, back in 2015, 2016, Matt Drudge was pulling in between 30 and 35 million views and 3.7 million unique views a month. And right now he's down to between 50 and 20 million views a month. But it, it's a little more complicated than that than I think, because it, it isn't just his turn against Trump, even though Trump loves to think that. It's also it is partially that. But it's also social media has taken a huge bite out of Matt Drudge. And when I was at the New York Daily News, I was a crime reporter there for, for about 10 years. All my editors were constantly on the Drudge Report because they were trying to be first. But, but you know, Matt's not first anymore. And it's not even close. Like, Twitter is way ahead. So he, I think Matt knows his ship is sinking a little bit. But I also expect that he will turn back towards Trump if Trump wins re-election. But by then, I don't know if it's going to matter, and I don't know if anybody's really going to care. But there's another aspect of it, which is relevant. You know, we all have ego. Matt loves being relevant. And in this aspect, he's crushing it because, look, everybody's talking about Matt Drudge again, which is you know, <laughs> just the way he wants. Well, even even Trump has met, like has, the has, has the president called out uh, Trump, uh, as, hasn't Trump called out Drudge because he doesn't like the stories that are being shared on, on the Drudge Report? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's serious about it. And, you know, one great way I can get the president retweeted me a few, a few weeks ago. And it was just because I was posted about Drudge's drop off in views, which is <laughs> Trump's favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so Trump's view is you see, he's going down the drain because he's he's going up against me now. D- does Drudge and that's partially true. Has Drudge up over the years produced that much original content or is his real contribution this aggregation business model where you have the links to all these stories and of course he makes up his own headlines so he'll read the story or whoever on his staff does and they'll come up with like a different four or five words to get you to click on it maybe than what the actual headline is he sort of grabs like maybe what would be a better headline out of the story yeah. and puts that there is that really more the aggregation or did he at any time produce a lot of original content for the site he used to produce a lot more original content but one of the geniuses of Matt Drudge, no, I know a lot of your viewers are hated on him right now, and I totally understand, <laughs> but I think they should appreciate a few different things. And one of them is, there's, we all use the over, overused word genius. I, I believe Matt Drudge is one of the few geniuses that I've ever you know, encountered in this field of journalism. His ability to pick a headline, to, to, so he basically aggregates right now, as you say. But it's kind of more than that. It's, it's almost artwork. If you go on a Drudge Report and just look at the overall page, he's always trying to create a narrative. And that narrative usually involves chaos. Like, like, you know, I'm sure if your viewers are conservative, your, you know, your listeners are conservative, they know that Matt loves to post about, like, apocalyptic things, like locusts descending on a town and and 
uh, sex robots. They're coming to take everybody over. Yeah, he does like he brings oh, in those like uh, those like coast to coast AM like conspiracy theories. He'll and and a lot of those are the sun. The, the sun, that newspaper or the star. <laughs> and like you'll see stories about UFOs and aliens and a lot of things like that. He puts a lot of those links in there, but you can almost sit there and read like the headlines on a breaking story. He'll have like seven or eight like clickable headlines. You can read those headlines and almost get the whole story. Just from, you know, a woman arrested at Canadian board border, a ricin attack on president. And you, you just read the headlines. And is it maybe our, our our shortened attention span that makes that work, that we don't really care to read the whole story? We just want to know the essence of it. And that's what Drudge is able to do in these rewritten headlines. I, I think so. Another thing he, he's very good at is he can read an Associated Press story. And see that the lead was buried in page eight. I mean, in paragraph eight, and then push that up high in a headline that the writer of the piece didn't even know about. And you know, it's 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 the, the other aspect of math that I think we should appreciate, even though you know he is sinking, his site is sinking, his turn against Trump did not work out. But for years, conservatives had nowhere else to go other than Rush Limbaugh who, you know, wasn't reposting stories. But Matt Drudge, I spoke to a lot of politicians who would talk about Republican GOP uh, activists and, um, you know, a few different campaign managers. And they would talk to me about how back in, you know, the mid-90s and the early 2000s, they really didn't feel like they had any place to go. They, they could call the networks, they could call, but they Matt Drudge always would give them a place where they could put information and get it out to the people. And today, that's not the case. Today, I think this level, the, the, the playing field is pretty level. I mean, we all, conservatives like to complain a lot about um, the news being tilted, but there's so much of it now. Like, we can really go, I wake up in the morning and my news is catered to what I want to hear. I don't know if that's a good thing, but you kind of, I, there's so much of it now. I think that the populist wave, the populist revolution in media has been fully realized. And I guess one fear I have, and this is a totally separate tangent, it's just that is going back to what it was pre-drudge because so much of it's now being controlled by social media tech, tech, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram even. And that's kind of a different fear for a different day, I suppose. Do you see any correlation between what's going on at Fox News and what's going on with Drudge? Because in the past, they sort of were on the same track, if you will, uh, kind of, you know, being viewed as the conservative media outlet. And now people are going after Fox News for being more moderate uh, and, and, and not quite as conservative. And Drudge is doing the same thing. Uh, it's almost as if maybe they, <laughs> they share the same strategist or something because they're both uh, floating to the left about at the same pace and about the, around the same time. I, I hear what you're saying. I think I would tell your, your audience to watch Tucker Carlson's show. And the minute they get rid of Tucker Carlson, OAN is going to be the go-to station for every single right-leaning person in the country. And it's still they still have him on, and he's still completely free to say what he wants, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, the rest of the, the, the network, you know, it's different. I don't know. It is. You're right. There, there, there is a change with Fox and I don't, you know, truthfully, I don't have a ton of sources at Fox. So I don't know what they're, I mean, I've been told that 
um, with Murdoch handing over power to his son. That's the that's the reason for the shift. Yeah, and also I believe Paul Ryan has influence there now. Former Speaker of the House is on the board and apparently has some great influence there. And he has never been on the Trump train really uh, at all. And there's sort of this emerging moderate Republican power, you know, that we're seeing, you know, maybe Paul Ryan, uh, Mitt Romney are among those people. Corporate Republican power. Yeah, absolutely. Paul Ryan spent, what, two years? stalling yeah. Trump intentionally. Right, right, right. No doubt. Like, you notice these people never just go away, Jim. Like they never <laughs> just go away. No, they're <laughs> yeah, they're out there. And even even when they're you know in office, it's like you look at like a Nancy Pelosi and a Chuck Schumer and you think, don't you want to go play with your great grandchildren or do something else? I mean, who would want to do that? Who would want to live that life? But I guess uh, that's what they're accustomed to. Now, Drudge has had a little bit of controversy in terms of it's not illegal or anything like that, but it certainly would raise eyebrows. This whole pay to play allegation uh, that, you know, I don't know what evidence you have of this, but the idea that not everything you you see in Trump uh, in in Drudge is organic. Uh, Drudge has had this pay to play business model where you could pay a certain amount of money. I don't know how much it would be uh, to actually get your link on the Drudge report. Are you still there, Matthew? Hi, Jim. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, the pay to play. The pay to play is a fascinating part of my book to me that I I did not know about. So my evidence is very clear. Um, I have court papers. I have public filings from a lawsuit. And that's how I found out about this. Hmm. There was a lawsuit where Andrew Breitbart, when he was helming the Drudge Report, was contracting companies out and saying, okay, look, um, you pay me X amount per link on the Drudge Report and the traffic would then be funneled you know, through Matt and there'd be a tag in the code and Breitbart would be paid. Now, my knowledge of Matt doing it is limited, but this was his website and he obviously knew about it. Um, and one of the, one of the companies involved, I'm sure your audience has heard of, it's Reuters. Reuters was giving a kickback to Andrew every time they linked, every time Andrew linked on the Drudge Report to a Reuters story. Wow. And Im- immediately after the agreement went into effect, the amount of Reuters stories on the Drudge Report went up significantly. Hmm. Fascinating. And, and, and if people wanted to figure out, you know, how is money made? I obviously have my own website property, so I kind of understand this more than the average person. But for people that don't understand how money is made on the Drudge Report, how do you explain the $100 million net worth and all of that from just a, a link aggregation site? <laughs> okay, so Matt Drudge, even now, Pulls in more, even in his diminished state, pulls in more views than the New York Daily News. The New York Daily News has real estate up until recently where they just had to sell their office in Manhattan. They have a staff of at least 60 people. All these, then they have delivery people for the print edition, which is losing money. Matt, it's one dude on a computer somewhere. Wow. That's it. So, so there is no yeah, Drudge Report office. There's no office, no staff. No. It's just a guy, one guy. One guy with a silly hat. The Drudge Report office <laughs> is wherever Matt Drudge is currently standing. 
Wow. So he's just travel. He could travel the world and just open up his laptop and and update the links and 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 so there's yeah, that's exactly what there's no overhead. And then I just see like like occasionally you'll see like uh you know uh, an ad like a 300 by 300 pixel ad you'll see but then sometimes you'll click on a uh, link and it'll say you have to subscribe to read the rest of the story or whatever so i'm sure there's money in all of that um is that pretty much it i mean just the the little ads that appear like that and then maybe the subscription kickbacks he gets for those clicks like to the new york times and the wall street journal and the like that's it, but it's at such a huge level, and he has such little overhead that he's been able to essentially print money out of his laptop. Yeah. Now, by kind of you know through other people's work largely, because like, he's, he's not printing his own stories, so it's a real, um, it's a real interesting model. Hasn't there been some talk that at some point maybe legally, um, as crazy as it sounds, because I would think having a link on the Drudge Report will be a good thing for me, you know, as a content creator. But yet the content creators yeah. have complained over the years that maybe he's making too much money at their expense and maybe he should be paying them to put the link to them. Isn't that part of the talk, which sounds to me completely crazy? There's been talk of that. And in fact, the Supreme Court justice told him that, and this is the, the Supreme Court justice spoke to him before um, Trump won when it, everybody thought Hillary Clinton was going to win and then nominate probably um, Merrick Garland. I'm, I'm not sure I'm saying his name right. And the Supreme Court justice told, I'm pretty sure it was Scalia, told Matt that your days are over. That you're, they're going to, this, this is going to go up to the Supreme Court and we don't have the votes. Wow. Because I know there's something going on in Europe right now about this with Google and Google linking to news sites that those news sites are now trying to get compensated for having their their link show up in Google, in Google News or Google Search and the little thumbnail picture and the little description that, that is clicked on. So we, we might be in the early days of some major changes like that. There are competition. There, there are a number of competitors, right? I know like Dan Bongino has a site that he actually says is directly competing with Drudge. I think he has something on uh, his site or his comments when he went uh, public with his site. Drudge has let you down and I won't. And then he launched his own Drudge-like site. Uh, there's Bongino. Who else is competing or attempting to compete with the Drudge Report? Um, one of the ones that's doing really well, I've actually had access to their data, is a site called Citizen Free Press. Hmm. And it's it's very simple too. It's the same it's the same aggregation, but it's also bills itself as uh, you know, look, Matt Drudge let us down. This is the new Drudge. And but you know, it's interesting because for decades, there are at least several years, people have been talking about who's gonna replace Matt Drudge and there's always been these competitors and no one's ever been able to topple him. But it's kind of what fascinates me about it is Matt is gonna be toppled and it's in the process of being overthrown, not by any individual, but by a revolution, much like mainstream media template of the early 90s was usurped by him and the internet. It's social media, and it's he can't compete with it, and that's going to be his ultimate downfall, and that doesn't matter whether he supports Biden or Trump. Um, his supporting Biden has only escalated this, this narrative, but it was all going in the same direction. And is there any future 
plans, uh, you know, for the long term, uh, you know, future of of the Drudge Report? Like, for example, does he have a successor in mind? Will this keep going after his death? I know he's still a young man. He's in his 50s. So uh, maybe that's premature to even talk about it. Or does the Drudge Report die with Matt Drudge? What I can tell you is um, a little story about Matt. When he went to Andrew Breitbart's funeral, Andrew Breitbart was on the verge of announcing all of his big websites. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like big government. So he died right before that launch. And he went to Andrew Breitbart's funeral and Steve Bannon pulled him aside and they were talking and Matt said to Steve, he's like, hey, what's going to happen to Andrew's sites? And Bannon said, um, yeah, we're going full steam ahead. And Matt looked at him and said, when I'm gone, no one will ever put their name on the George Report. <laughs> and then a few years ago, too, um, there was an NBA basketball owner. Your audience would know their name, but I'm, I'm not allowed to, to say his name. Offered Matt an obscene amount of money for the George Report. And again, Matt didn't feel comfortable putting his name on something that wasn't going to be his, which... Kind of, I don't, you even brought it up, but there's a lot of rumors going on around that Matt Drudge has sold a Drudge report. Completely false. Still runs it. I spoke to somebody who works with Matt very recently and they assured me, yes, Matt still runs the Drudge report. Well, you know, $100 million net worth. I was reading some articles about him today. I guess he gave away a $700,000 house to one of his friends. Um, it paid just paid cash not too many years ago for another house in Miami Beach. Seems to be doing well. And uh, what a great business to have to make $100 million and no employees, no building, just you and a laptop. Uh, you know, I'll take that seminar on how to start something like that up. Uh, the, the book is called The Drudge revolution it's it's really fascinating i don't even know what category to put this book in i know you're mostly a true crime guy which i love true crime uh it's biographical it's also historical uh it, there's also some you know just some kind of interesting backstory here in general about the whole news industry uh just fascinating a to z and i think this would be a great gift with the holidays coming up uh, the drudge revolution it's available in in hardcover there's also so a Kindle version. Is there also an audible version? There is. There is an audible version. And thank you. Yeah, because I know a lot of our, our folks like the the audible version. And uh, I saw this one. This is at our local bookstore here. Is this generally on the shelf in the local bookstores nationwide? It is. Very good. And how can people follow you and what you're doing? I know you were with the New York Daily News, wasn't it, for 10 years, but now you're totally independent. Do you have your own uh, website uh, making $100 million? <laughs> oh, no. You know what? I barely do social media. But I I, I guess I, I really wanted to write this book because I was so fascinated by who he was. Yeah. I felt like nobody was going to write the book. and. So, you know, I jumped in and I'm I'm just really grateful for how it turned out. And thank you for having me on, Jim. Have you had any feedback from Matt Drudge or is he just still in hiding? You, you, you didn't hear from him, good job or bad job or anything? Somebody, well, he's so private and yeah. I'm sure he's horrified by the people who spoke to me because I had unprecedented access yeah. to all kinds of people in Drudge World. And he did get one note that came through from Matt that said, I heard it's not a complete hit job. Yeah, well, you that's, see, that's all I got. I'll tell you what, you seem like a great guy. I, I think, I don't know, I won't speak for you, but 
I, I would be a friend of, of Matt Drudge. I think he's a fascinating guy. I'd love to be in his uh, Friday morning coffee club or, you know, whatever he does there in, in Miami. Right. Uh, fascinating guy and certainly a self-made man, an American success story and uh, a book that needed to be written. And thank you so much for being with us tonight, Matthew Leshek. Thank you for having me, Jim. It's been a great time, and I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. God bless. Wow. That was tremendous. Uh, really fascinating book. It really is. Uh, because, right, it's uh, obviously political season. Everybody's wondering what's going on with, with Drudge. And my wife and I, we had this discussion over dinner, which is these people that we follow, whether it's Rush Limbaugh or... Mark Levin or Sean Hannity or Dan Bongino, whoever it is that you follow. Are these people really who we think they are? Are they really conservatives or are they did they pick a niche? Did they decide like, hey, this is what I'm going to be because I can make money? And it sounds like maybe Matt Drudge is not the conservative that we all thought, but that was the bandwagon that he chose to get on the niche that he chose to operate within. And uh, I'll tell you what, for me, a uh, first sight I look at every morning is a drudge report and uh, probably never, never change. I'll probably be doing that until my dying day. So it was good to kind of hear the, the backstory of it. And he sounds like a fascinating guy about my age. And uh, I'd, I'd love to be a friend of Matt Drudge. I'd love to get to know a guy like that. And uh, maybe he can teach me a few things about how to make more money uh, with my podcast and with my website and my books as well. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.